four in our Bibles, you notice in verse number one. The Bible says, After this I looked, and behold, the door was open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was, as it were, a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, the throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. Father, tonight I pray that you would use your word to challenge us. Uh, Lord, as we look at uh, this short uh, portion of Scripture, and uh, we think about your soon return for the church, I pray that it would motivate us to live a holy and pure life. Uh, God, we love you, and I pray that we'd be looking unto Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Remember there in Revelation chapter number 1 and verse number 19, uh, as John began to see this vision unfolding from heaven, this revelation, uh, this, uh, this, this vision of the future, uh, John in chapter number 1 saw Jesus Christ in that glorified state. When he saw Christ and he heard the voice of the Savior, and uh, the Bible says that he fell at his feet as a dead man, and just was amazed at who the Savior was. And uh, in, in verse number 19 of chapter number 1, Jesus kind of gives his charge to John. He gives him the purpose of the book of Revelation. And he said, John, your responsibility is to write about the things which were, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. And it's important for us when it comes to our eschatology, our study of last things, to remember that we need to put things in the right location. Uh, listen, if you uh, get that messed up, if your dispensational theology is messed up, then uh, you are going to have wrong doctrine, and it's going to mess up your thinking, and, your, and, and really, it'll mess up your study of the Word of God. And uh, you go throughout the Bible, and we talk about dispensational theology. That's simply that there were different time frames when God worked in different ways with different groups. And before the flood, there was that time of innocency. And after the, or before the, the fall of man, there was that time of innocency. And, and then after Adam and Eve sinned in the garden to, the, to the, 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 um, the flood, there was the fall of man. And then from the time of Noah until the time of Abraham, God dealt with people differently. And you see that all throughout the Word of God. And right now we are living in a time and, and a period in the Bible that is, is the church age. And uh, back when Jesus ascended up into heaven, he told the disciples, you wait and uh, you pray until you're endued with power and the Holy Ghost is going to come upon you. And, and you'll be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And on that day of Pentecost, remember the mighty rushing wind of the Holy Spirit came and, and, uh, and dwelt the believers and the church age started. And uh, man, we've been, for the last 2,000 years have, have been in this church age. And so John was instructed here in Revelation 1.19 to write about the things that were, and uh, really that dealt with the chapter number 1. And we come to chapter 2 and chapter number 3. We've spent the last uh, probably 10, 11, 12 weeks in these chapters uh, looking about at the things which are. And uh, realizing that every church that John preached to, uh, they're going on in today's day and time in which we live. You, there's a church of Philadelphia that is experiencing revival. Uh, there is the Laodicea church that is prevalent, sadly, in many churches. And there is the churches that are under persecution. And there's the dead churches like the church of Sardis. And there's the busy churches, yet ha they've left their first love, like the church of Ephesus. And, and so, John, your responsibility is to write about 
about the things which are. And uh, chapter number 2 and 3 deal with that present day condition. And as we come to chapter number 4, it says in verse number 1, after this, and so the church age has come to a close. Uh, the Bible mentions in, I believe it's 19 times in the book of Revelation, the church is mentioned. But from chapter number 4 all the way on, it's only mentioned one other time, and that's when Jesus comes back with his bride. It's, that's, when, that's when he's coming back on that white horse. And uh, the church now has become absent. The church is missing here in chapter 4 on through the end of the book. And so we have come to a place where now we're dealing with a different time, and this is the things which shall be hereafter. This is the revelation of future events. And so John said there, he said, After this I looked, and behold, a door was open in heaven. There was a change of scenery. Uh, I think about when I was in school, uh, high school, I, I did a play for our school. It was called the HMS Pinafore. And I was one of the crazy sailors. And uh, we went around, it was a musical, and you didn't know I could act. I'm a pretty good actor, all right? I did Reader's Theater, too, and uh, won third place in Nationals. I was proud of that. But, uh, but man, I had a great time. But when somebody does a play, uh, I, by the way, the plays are awesome, all right? I, I highly recommend going. And uh, Chrissy likes going, getting all fancy, dressed up, and all that stuff. It's pretty cool, right? But uh, you go, and when we did the HMS Pinafore, there were different scenes. And uh, for each scene, we had to make sure the background was correct. And we had that big old curtain that would go across the stage, and, and you close the curtain, and another scene would unfold, and a different part would be played. We are now where, where the scene has been changed from the church to now it's on the things which shall be hereafter. And so the question is raised, where exactly did the church go? Uh, what exactly happened to the local church? And uh, we believe here at Huntsville Bible Baptist Church in the pre-tribulation rapture. Uh, pre simply means before. Uh, we believe that Jesus is going to rapture his church uh, before the tribulation. There are some that teach there's a mid-tribulation. Uh, there's some that teach there's a, a pre-wrath trib. There's some that teach a post-tribulation rapture. And uh, there's different views, but we as uh, as Bible believers here at Huntsville Bible Baptist Church, we believe that Jesus is going to come back before the tribulation begins. You say, why is that, Pastor? Well, from this passage, and we're going to dive into that tonight, uh, we're going to see exactly what does the Bible say about the local church when it comes to the book of Revelation. And we see, first of all, there was a change of scenery. Notice, first of all, the open door. He says, after this I looked, and behold, a door was open in heaven. Uh, the Bible mentions four... <coughs> Uh, uh, four open doors in the New Testament. Uh, in, uh, John, uh, in, uh, in the book of John, uh, Jesus said, um, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall go in and out and find pastors. Uh, he, he was the door. Uh, the only way you're going to go through heaven is you've got to walk through the open door that he offers to you and to me. And by the way, that's how you become a member of the body of Christ. It's not by the baptism. It's not by church membership, but it's by going through the door, the open door. I love his invitation. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. The invitation is for all to come into that open door, to come into the sheepfold. By the way, it's just not for an elect few, uh, but it's for all. For God so loved the world. 
and it's just not this chosen person and that chosen person and everybody else is condemned to hell. No, Jesus died for the world and whoever will, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has saved him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Salvation is open for all. So there's a door of salvation. Uh, we see in, in, uh, in uh, Revelation 3 verse 8, uh, the Bible says, Behold, I have set before thee an open door and no man can shut it. This was an open door for sharing the gospel. And thank God that there is an open door. Thank God that we can share the gospel. Uh, thank God for the freedom that we have. And I think about there in Worcester. Uh, they finished the revival. Today was the last day. And they had over 160 people saved in four and a half weeks. And, and uh, Brother Chris told me, he said, uh, we had almost 100 in church today. The church was running 50 to 60. And uh, they had numbers of, uh, a number get baptized today. And uh, for the last month up there in that area, man, there's been a great open door to share the gospel. I've been in places where, man, sharing the gospel is very difficult. Uh, growing up in New Hampshire, we, I, I remember as a teenager, I had a burden for my local area. And I went door knocking with another preacher. And we didn't see anybody interested in the gospel. Uh, before I came down here to Huntsville, um, I was living in Ford City, Pennsylvania. I was convicted... Because I was a, a preacher traveling all over the United States of America preaching about soul winning. And yet I had not knocked all the doors in Ford City. And God really dealt with me. He said, if you want to pastor, if you want to do something, then get busy knocking doors. Man, I knocked all those doors there. I knocked Ford Cliff with Josiah and Manor Township. Three different towns. And uh, we didn't see one person come to Christ. And there are different places where the gospel iron is hot and striking. And there are other places where man is just cold and it's indifferent. But the Bible says for the church of Philadelphia, and then they had an open door, a wide open door for witnessing, and God was blessing their evangelistic efforts. Uh, in uh, in uh, this passage here in chapter 4, verse 1, we see the door to heaven is open. And uh, we see in Revelation chapter number 3 and verse number 20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door. And knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. There was a door uh, to an invitation to get right with God. And uh, let me just say that Jesus stands at our heart's door knocking saying, let me in. I want you to be right with me, but we've got to make the choice to open the door. And then Revelation 19 verse 11, uh, Jesus comes back riding that white horse. He said he saw heaven open. And uh, this is that white door where he comes back to squash the rebels that have rebelled against him. So the open door is there in heaven. And uh, notice it says, after this I beheld, uh, after this I looked, and behold, a door was opened, not in earth, but notice it was in heaven. So this scene is unfolding. This is the throne room of heaven. This is a scene that takes place in heaven. And it says in, it's not on the earth. It says in, uh, there have been others that have had this heavenly vision. I remember the apostle Paul. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 2, he said, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth, such an one caught up to the third heaven. In Genesis 28, 17, Jacob had that dream. And the Jacob's dream, right, what did he see? He saw angels going back and forth on that ladder, that stairway to heaven. Uh, Jacob saw heaven. Isaiah 6 verse 1, the year that King Uzziah died. I saw also the Lord sitting upon his throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temples. And the, and the temple and the angels are saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Isaiah saw the throne of heaven. Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter number 1 and verse 26 saw the throne room of heaven. Daniel saw the throne room of heaven. There were, there, were, there were some prophets in the Old Testament that got a glimpse into heaven. 
and the scene is unfolding in heaven. And, uh, and, and so he, he, he saw the door was open in heaven. And it says, in the first voice which I heard was, as it were, a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. All right, so what takes place? He hears that voice, as it were, a trumpet talking with him. Uh, what is the message of this, of this voice? It was a message of, come up hither. Uh, the, by the way, that it's not a trumpet that is talking, but it, he heard, as it were, uh, of a trumpet talk with me. Uh, look over in Revelation chapter number 1. And uh, and uh, let's see, where is it? It says, Revelation chapter number 1, um, in verse number 10, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in a book, and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia. Who is this trumpet that is talking? Who is it? It's none other than Jesus Christ. And so Jesus says to John the Apostle, Hey, John, come up hither. We see that all throughout the scriptures in the New Testament where that, that picture of the invitation to come up hither. John 14, verse 1, the disciples are discouraged. Jesus has just told them, I'm getting ready to go to the cross of Calvary. And Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. Jesus said to the disciples, listen, one day I'm going to gather you up. One day I'm going to call you home to heaven. Uh, Paul said in Titus 2.13 that we're looking for the blessed hope. And the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. What is that blessed hope that he's coming again? Uh, Jesus said to the local church in, uh, in, uh, in Revelation chapter number 2, he said, Behold, I come quickly. Hold fast that which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. You get to the end of Revelation chapter number 22, and Jesus says, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me. To give to every man according as his work shall be. I love how John finishes Revelation 22. Jesus said, surely I come quickly. And John the beloved apostle, the aged apostle said, even so come Lord Jesus. Amen. Let me just say, John was not looking for the mid-tribulation point to take place. He was not looking for the Antichrist to come on the scene. He was not looking for the one world currency or the one world government. He was not looking for fulfillment. He was just anticipating the soon return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, you read his, his writings and his teachings. Paul is anticipating Jesus coming again. That's why he wrote to the, the, the folks in Thessalonica. Why? Because there was false teachers that were coming along and they were teaching that the rapture and uh, the resurrection of the dead had already taken place and Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost was writing to deal with those false teachers and uh, look over there in 1st Thessalonians chapter number 4 Paul Paul and by the way I love the church of Thessalonica I love them because Paul was there for only three Sabbath days and uh, Galatians Ephesians Philippians Colossians 1st Thessalonians chapter number 4 uh, Paul was there for three Sabbath days and to think about that how would you love it if you're if you, you got saved and then three or, you know, 20 days, 21 days, whatever it is, uh, the God that led you to the Lord is out and he's not there to follow up with you. He's not there to preach to you. He's not there to teach you. He's not there to help you as you stumble in your early walk with God. Uh, man, that's what happened with Paul. 
and uh, man, Paul fled for his life, went to, I believe it was Athens, and, uh, and uh, I think it was Athens, and then he went to Corinth. Corinth is where he set up his ministry, and while in Corinth, he was burdened for the believers in Thessalonica, so he sent, uh, sent them, uh, I believe it was Timothy, uh, one of those guys, Timothy or pa uh, Sylvanus, uh, one of those guys is sent back up there, and, um, and, they're, and they're checking up on the church, and, and it's, it's, it's exciting what God's doing there. You read in chapter number 2 where Paul said, I thank God uh, upon every member of you all for, for your walk with God. And uh, there was a church that was growing and thriving. But Paul comes to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and he says in verse 13, look there. He said, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. So he said, I don't want you to be out in the dark. I don't want you to be ignorant. Uh, you know, somebody that is ignorant is unlearned, right? He's giving them instruction so that way they can deal with those false teachers that are out there. So here's the, here's the instruction. I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. Aren't you thankful, by the way, Christian, that when you stand by a graveside and you say goodbye to your loved ones, if they know Christ as their Savior, it's not goodbye. It's just, I'll, I'll see you later in just a little bit you know it's it's uh, uh one one preacher said this i wrote this down somewhere um sleep is temporary uh, the early church called graveyard cemeteries that means in the greek dormitories i didn't know that till i was reading that they call it a cemetery in the greek is called a dormitory let me say there's crazy things that happen in dormitories in college right and especially bible colleges right but what's a dormitory it's just a place to sleep it's just a resting place. It's the same word used for an inn or a hotel. Let me just say, I'm thankful that I don't. when I travel in evangelism and the preacher told me I'm staying at the Days Inn, I'm glad it was just temporal. Now, some of the nicer Four Season hotels, I wish it was a little bit longer. But uh, Days Inn and Sleep Inn and the Roach Motel and uh, the Roadway Inn, thankfully it was just a short visit, right? But, uh, but the, what an encouragement, he says in verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring him with him. What a wonderful picture. We're, we fall asleep. When my grandma took her last breath, she didn't die. She fell asleep. And the angels came and they took her home to glory. And uh, she's just sleeping, waiting for the trumpet to sound, right? Uh, verse 15, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Uh, what was Paul saying there? He says, listen, we're not going to go before them. The word prevent is to proceed, to go before, to get there before they get there. No, uh, verse 16, it says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. False teachers were convincing believers in Thessalonica that the resurrection of the dead had already passed and that they had missed it. But Paul reminded these believers here that death was not permanent, it was not a terminal, but death was a tunnel. Death was a tunnel. Psalm 23, verse 4. Uh, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. I've been reading... A book I got on uh, on on the the shepherd, and uh, the shepherd. Uh, there's a pastor up in Tennessee that has a sheep farm, and he wrote a devotional, 365 days on uh, on on sheep. And it's been a quite you know just one page every day reading it. 
But I'm in Psalm 23 right now, and just this week I covered uh, verse 4. Of yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What was he saying? It's just a small little section. It's not your. It's not the end. It's not. You're not going to the execution. You know, you're not going to be. Cut, you're not going to the meat processor. You're just going through the valley. And uh, thank God that as you walk through the valley, the shepherd has already walked through that valley. And uh, thank God that I will fear no evil. Why? Because He's with me. His presence is with me. God is with me. Uh, but uh, but but he said there in this passage, he said, "Hey, take uh, don't worry about it because you're just walking through that valley, and we're not going to prevent those that that have preceded us. We're not going to go before them. Why? Because the Lord's going to uh, sound the trumpet, and the dead in Christ are going to rise first, and we're going to be caught together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Uh, the word shout, uh, Jesus shouted three times in the New Testament. It says uh, it says here, the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout." I remember there in uh, at, at the graveside of Lazarus, he sh he shouted, he cried with a loud voice, "Lazarus, come forth!" Uh, on the cross, he cried, "It is finished." And the next time he shouts, the bride will be coming home. That shout will be, "Come up hither!" And so it's based on that we look back in Revelation chapter number four as Paul addressed the local church in Thessalonica. He encouraged them with that reality that hey, the the trumpet will sound. And it says in verse number again, as it were, a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Uh, that word come up hither is an invitation. Uh, is equal to the statement, uh, shall be caught up together. The church is now absent in chapter number 4 all the way to chapter 22. Uh, they, are not, they are not found. The church has been mentioned 19 times before, in chapter, before chapter number 4. And, uh, and the, mostly it's in chapter 2 and chapter 3. But the church is no longer here. Uh, the church has been caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. By the way, you read from chapter number 4 all the way through the end of the, of the book. And uh, except for that one time in Revelation 19, uh, um, you find that the, the believers are no longer called the church. But they're called the bride. Uh, when we get to heaven, uh, we will one day be Christ's bride. And it's not going to be the church, it's going to be the bride. The bride of Christ is going to come back with him. We're going to rule and reign with him. And uh, we, we are no longer the church, but we are the bride. Uh, and so, uh, so that, that's just a wonderful reality. So looking at that, John said, this is what I saw, the invitation to come up hither. And uh, what it was the invitation, he says, I will, in verse number one at the end, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Uh, in Acts chapter number one and verse number eleven. Uh, the Bible says the disciples were looking up to heaven. Jesus had just descended to heaven in that cloud. The cloud had received him. And the angel appeared to them and said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye here gazing up into this heaven? The same Jesus which has gone into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go. As Jesus went to heaven, so he's going to come back from heaven in, in the clouds. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52, Behold, I show you a mystery... We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Uh, that passage is famous in nurseries, right? We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. I didn't understand that when I was growing up, but now I do. And uh, progressive revelation, I guess, in that passage. But, uh, but what's the mystery? Hey... We're all going to be changed. We're going to be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Uh, according to the stu studies of the scientists, 
A twinkle of an eye is one one thousandth of a second. That's pretty fast. Jesus will sound the, tr uh, the trumpet and we'll be caught up together. The Greek word for rapture is used 13 times in the New Testament. However, that word rapture is not, you don't find it. The Greek word for it, though, is, and uh, here's what the, the, uh, the word, the, really it's the word rapturo, and uh, we translated, they, they, take, they have taken that, and the, they, they translated rapturo to rapture in the Latin. So the word rapture is really Latin. But, uh, but we find that root word mentioned 13 times in the New Testament. It's mentioned, here, here's what the definitions are they're used. It's, uh, it's, uh, it means to, be caught, to catch up. It means to take by force. It means to catch away, to pluck, to catch, to pull. The word rapture is not mentioned in the Bible per se, but the, but the, the, the teaching of it is mentioned that we will be snatched away. And so what a wonderful picture. That's exactly what he says here. Come up hither. That is the rapture. John was raptured, was pulled up to heaven. And what did the Savior say? He said, I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And so it says in verse number two, and immediately I was in the spirit. So the message is, hey, the rapture is a sure thing. Jesus said, I'm going away. I'm coming again. Paul taught to the Thessalonians. He taught to the Corinthians. He wrote to Titus and said, Titus, Take, take encouragement with this, that it's going to happen, and uh, keep looking for that blessed hope. And I love the message of John. John said in John chapter number 3 and verse, verse number 2, he said this, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And then he makes this statement, And every man that hath this hope in him, what is that hope? Of seeing Christ face to face. Of one day soon, hearing that trumpet sound and being in his presence, every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. You see, as you read through the Bible, as through the New Testament, you find Paul, you find John, you find, uh, you find uh, the, the different uh, churches. They believed in the imminent return of Christ. They believed it could happen at any moment. Let me just say, if, if we believe in a mid-trib or a post-trib rapture, then there's really no reason to purify ourselves and live that holy life if, if uh, well, there is a reason because we're saved and blood-bought, but there's not that, hey, you need to live for God because Jesus will come back at any moment. Hey, one of the reasons we live for God is because that trumpet could sound today. One of the reasons I live for God and serve God is because, man, I want to... Uh, be righteous when he comes. I don't want to stand before Christ is shamed. The illustration I use sometimes is when I was growing up, my uh, my dad sometimes would take business trips. One particular summer day, um, he uh, we flew to Minnesota for a business meeting. Was flying back that night, and uh, that day my mom told us, "Dad's coming home, and uh, I want you to make sure the yard is clean." Well, we were hanging out, relaxing, playing, doing kid things. Five o'clock, it was dinner time. We went in and we did not clean up our toys outside. Dad, we go to bed at 7 o'clock. Man, we're out sleeping. Dad comes home 9, 10 o'clock that night, and uh, he wakes us up. And he says, boys, I want to see you in my room. We go up to Dad's room. You know, when Dad would go away, we would usually get a present. Usually it was peanuts or pretzels on the airplane, but, uh, man, we're going upstairs, right? What's Dad got for us? You know, something cool, right? And I uh, know we got a big whipping when we went up to Dad's room. Why? Because our, our, our chores were not done. He had given us a responsibility of clean the yard up, make sure everything's in order, and we have a 
clear-cut command from the Savior to occupy till he comes, clear-cut responsibility to let your light so shine before men, to be the ambassadors for Christ, to make an impact for him, to be holy as he is holy, we've been given clear command and instructions for Christ. I'll tell you what, I don't want to stand before him ashamed. I don't want to stand before Jesus and say, well, I knew the message, but I did not fulfill my job. You see, the message of the rapture, the message of, of, of John being caught together, the message of Paul and John is this reality. Jesus is coming again. And because he's coming again, you need to live a holy and pure life because he could come back at any moment. And if you were to come right now, would you be ashamed before him at his appearing in his kingdom? Would you be ashamed to stand before him? Because we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That every man may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Jesus said, I'm coming again. We see his promise over and over and over that he's coming again. We need to make sure that we are obedient to him and obeying his word because he could come back at any moment and take us home to glory. And so we see here in this passage, the church ages come to the end of Revelation chapter 3, verse 22. Chapter number 4, verse number 1, John hears the trumpet. And one day the trumpet's going to sound. And the trumpet says, hey, come up hither, raptured up. And immediately John was in the presence of the Savior. And he begins to get this throne room vision of heaven. And the next week we'll look at the throne, we'll look at the throng, we'll look at the thrill. The, the three T's that John saw in this passage and experienced. But I wanted you to see tonight that, that Jesus is coming again. And I hope that truth would sink in our hearts. And I hope that we would live a holy life in line with that soon return of Christ. Because folks, if he came back tonight, we're going to stand before him. And I don't want to stand before him ashamed. I want to stand before him right with him, holy, dedicated. And I want to look at him and say, I, I'm not ashamed at how I lived. And so let me ask you tonight, are you living a holy life in line with the soon return of our Lord Jesus Christ? He's coming again. And that's that blessed hope that Paul talked about to Titus. That's the comfort that the Thessalonians experienced. And that's what Paul wrote to the church of Corinth about. That's what John pleaded with those believers about. Purify yourself even as he is pure because he's coming again. Anybody have any questions about the rapture? Alrighty. If you have something... Ask me afterwards, and uh, as and by the way, we've been doing that, and the churches, you know, is more kind of hey, this is who they are, let's deal with them. But now, as we go through Revelation four, and there's a lot that unfolds. And by the way, I don't have all the answers with with these chapters. I've got a lot of different commentaries I'm reading and studying and going through. But if you have a question, jot it down. Say, preacher, what about the you know the locusts that fly around in Revelation fourteen? Are those you know, what are those? Are those hel helicopters? What are they, you know? Throw it at me. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But, uh, but listen, we're here to learn and study. And I hope this message will sink in our hearts. Let's live for the Lord this week. Father, we love you. And to thank you so much for loving us first. May we purify ourselves, even as you're pure. Help us, Lord, to live in line with your soon return this week. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, church, let's live for the Lord. You're dismissed. We'll see you guys on Wednesday night.